Often in horror films, especially ones involving teenagers, parenting is not shown in the most flattering light. But in this week's episode of the Scary Spirits podcast, Fright Night from 2011, we actually get a single mom who trusts her son. She listens, supports, and protects him. It's a refreshing change to see good parenting. And I must say, I'm all for it. Go moms! Cheers! Welcome to the Scary Spirits Podcast. Please be advised that the presenters may use adult language and or discuss adult situations. This podcast is not intended for younger listeners or those that may be easily offended. So, if you're ready, let's go. Hi, I'm Greg. Hey, I'm Karen. And welcome to the Scary Spirits Podcast, the podcast that combines the two very different yet highly compatible worlds of scary films and alcoholic spirits. What could possibly go wrong? Indeed. How are you, Karen? I'm doing great. How are you, Greg? I'm good. Thank you for asking. It's what we do. Karen, was this my choice? This film this week? (laughs) Was it me? Yes, I'll remind you it was you. Once again, Karen, I don't like your tone. (laughs) (laughs) That happens sometimes, doesn't it? The film I have chosen this week, I'm calling it our first remake, but it's really not. But it's Fright Night from 2011. Is there a reason you chose this one? Because today is Colin Farrell's birthday, Karen. Awesome. So, happy 47th birthday, Colin Farrell. He's just a young pup. (laughs) He's a baby. (laughs) I do have a cocktail as well, Karen. Excellent. What's that? It's called the Green Demon. Is there a reason you chose that one? Because it has Midori in it. That it does. Yeah. It'll it'll all become clear when we get into the film, Karen, I think. Have you... Ever had Midori straight? Probably. (laughs) I was going to try it that way, but I forgot and just threw it all in there. Melon liqueur. Yeah, but do you just sip it? Seems like you need something, but apparently not. Well, Jägermeister's is an herbal liqueur, right? Apparently. So I just drink it straight. What's the difference? I don't know. This is pretty sweet, I would guess. But besides Midori, it has vodka white rum, and lemonade. Lemonade. Limonade. Yeah, we're going to need one ounce of Midori or Malin liqueur, one ounce of vodka, and one ounce of white rum. Add it in a large goblet, it says, and then top with lemonade. Stir. Serve with a lime wheel garnish if you want to be fancy. I was not fancy, Karen. I was not either. But you are actually using a goblet, so... I'm impressed. Closest thing I could come to a goblet, yeah. That holds a lot more than I thought it did. I think it's actually, I think it's called a sniffer. Oh, for brandy? Or high alcohol beers. Oh, of course. Sorry. But it holds quite a bit. Lucky you. Should we give our friends and listeners time to make their own green demon? 
Absolutely. Hold on. And we're back. Yes, we are. All right, Karen, might you have a brief synopsis for us of this film from 2011, a remake of the original Fright Night from 1985? I do. Go on. Tell me a story. Charlie is a high school senior who's in with the in crowd and dating Amy, the most sought after gal on campus. But trouble enters his world in the form of Jerry Dandridge, a charismatic new neighbor. After witnessing some unusual activity next door, Charlie concludes that Jerry is a vampire. Of course, no one believes him. After seeking advice from illusionist Peter Vincent, Charlie sets out to destroy Jerry himself. Thank you, Karen, for that brief synopsis. That was a long one. Sounds a lot like the 1985 film. <laughs> Except Peter Vincent is an illusionist and not a horror movie host. You scared me. I thought, did I have the wrong one? But no, it says Colin Farrell, <laughs> Anton Yelt. I mean, I yeah, was yeah, like. It's the right one. <laughs> we are a match, Karen. We are a Excellent. match. Are you ready to get into it or anything else we need to cover first? No, let's go. Did you watch this on Amazon Prime, Karen? I did. I did as well. It had great warnings. Did you get them all? I did, Karen. Rated R. Violence, frightening scenes, substance abuse, alcohol use, smoking, foul language, and sexual content. It's got to be good. Right. I mean, <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? I could use more sexual content, but know what's missing, Karen? What is missing? It's obvious to me now. Nudity. Oh, nudity. I was going to say boobs, but I'm like, I can't just say that. That's not right. But yes, nudity. Nudity is missing. Film opens and we have credits, Karen. And then there's a commercial for an extreme magician named Peter Vincent. And who who does he look like? Who do you think he's patterned after? Do you know those emo magicians? Chris Angel. Yeah, Chris Angel. Right. That's who he's patterned after. So I, I looked never, at, I never watched Chris Angel. I, I didn't either, him. but I knew who they I, were referencing. I was more a David Blaine guy. Well, I had to look up to see who <laughs> what the difference was between those two. Because I knew it was one or the other, but it's definitely Chris Angel who this is mm -hmm. kind of stealing image and stuff from. He had a show called Mind Freak in 2005, and which was filmed in Vegas. One thing I found is Chris Angel is the most watched magician in internet history since the late 2000s. His clip, Walk on Water, has received more than 39 million views by 2010 so and 46 million by 2013. So this is old information, obviously. But if you know what Chris Angel looks like, that's pretty much what this guy looks like. He was just any I wanted to see if he was popular before this movie came out or the other way around. I was curious which direction that went. And he was popular before. So they are definitely imitating him. And we start to hear news reports of someone trying to bite a woman at a grocery store. 
we should say he's the host of Fright Night. That's yes. the commercial. Mm-hmm. That's what he hosts. Yes. Is that the same name as the show in the original? Yes. Okay. I thought so. So they do keep some things from the original in this remake. Lot in the yeah. Original. Yeah. But family who has watched as TV is on in their house. Basically, mom and dad are killed, and the kid hides under a bed and grabs a gun from in between the mattress. I guess his dad's gun. Of course, there's a trigger lock on it, so he's got to get the keys from his dad's pants pocket. And his dead dad's pants his dead pocket. Dad, yeah. yeah, right next to him. But then as soon as he gets an unlock, boom, he gone. Yep. And it's real quick. We don't really see much, right, of the vampire or whatever it is. Next, we have a montage of suburbia, I wrote, Karen. Kids playing in sprinklers, which we love to do as kids. Um, did you play in the sprinklers? No. We didn't oh, have we a sprinkler, did. Karen. Well, we only had a sprinkler <laughs> to play in. There's a man washing a car, you know, just women walking with their kids. It's very suburban, like you said. And we see Charlie. We learn as Charlie walking with his motorcycle because apparently it won't run, and he offers to help his neighbor take out her garbage. Doris. Doris, yes. So then Charlie's mom calls to him or whatever. He comes over. Well, because Charlie's watching Doris, who has Juicy on her butt, those sweatshirts. No, Lucky. Suits. I think it says Lucky. Oh, okay. Well, it it's made after those very popular sweat suits from that era. Sweatpants. What well, was a suit? It had a matching top and okay. bottom gray. It was an yeah. outfit, apparently. Okay. Did, 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 I never realize. had those, but there were words on the butt. And he's <laughs> watching her walk away. He offers to help Doris with her trash She's because she's a very beautiful woman, young lady. And then his mom, who is also bringing out the trash, does not get an offer for help from Charlie. But she says, stop leering at the neighbors. <laughs> mm-hmm. So he, she busts him. I'd offer to help mom with her garbage. <laughs> you mean his mom? Oh, yeah. 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 That's because I'm nice, you know, gentlemanly like that. Yeah, she's pretty too. Tony Collette. A- yeah. We learn apparently mom is a Century 21 real estate agent. And she's not happy about the neighbor and his dumpster in the front yard, Karen. Then Amy and her girlfriends pull up and I guess they're going to take Charlie to school. Because his motorcycle doesn't work. Doesn't then he go to school. And... They're in a VW bug, of course. Convertible. Yes, this takes place in Las Vegas. Yes. They get to school. There's a little banter there with the other cool kids. And at one point, Amy tells Charlie that nobody goes to prom on their senior year. That establishes that they're seniors in high school. When did that, is that a thing? Did that, is that a thing now? I don't know. I went to my senior prom. I probably did too. We all, all I mean, that's why it's called a senior prom. (laughs) Right. But whatever. Whatever. So next they're in class and the teacher's calling attendance and several kids are missing. After class, Charlie's former friend, Ed, kind of corners him and tells him that their classmates are missing before this his mom says when they're talking outside before he leaves for school she says ed has called a couple times 
Charlie's obviously avoiding him. This is his older friendship that he's been best friends with for a while, but he's moved into the cool crowd now. So he can't associate with the older friends, the friends that he had previous to being in the cool crowd. And Ed is that. But Ed wants Charlie to help him look for Adam, who was their mutual friend. Yeah, the three of them really were close. And Ed threatens to tell Charlie's new friends about, you know, all the things they used to do together and all their costumes they made. And Yeah, they made videos of them and... All the nerdy shit they did. Yeah, the nerd stuff. So Charlie go, agrees to go look for Adam with Ed. Next we see Ed at Adam's house. And it looks like Charlie has stood him up. Because Charlie's home. Yeah, and it's dusk. It's not Amy. after school. They were supposed yeah. to meet after school. I said, this looks like evening. So yes, he was stood up. So next we see Charlie's mom, Jane, flirting with Jerry, the new neighbor. Charlie's mom introduces him to Jerry. Does she say his last name here? I don't think so, but I, I don't know. I didn't think I, so either. So I don't I think we ever hear his last name is Dandridge. I don't think so. At least I didn't notice it. Then Ed sends Charlie a text, again, with an image, said, if you don't come, I'm going to share this with everybody. It's a picture of Charlie in a... Made-up superhero costume, Squid Man or something. <laughs> yes. So he's got years of blackmail he can use against Charlie. And he said, if you don't show up in 10 minutes, this is going viral. Because he's going to just blast it everywhere. So, so Charlie leaves immediately. <laughs> Charlie goes to Adam's house. Ed tells Charlie that Jerry is a vampire. They break into Adam's house. Ed has a wooden stake and a cross. And they're searching the house. But there's no one there. They don't even find any bodies or anything. No, and it must be cleaned up, too, because there were blood smears on the floor. And they don't notice any of that. And Charlie tells Ed that he is reading too much Twilight. Yes, Ed's <laughs> insulted by that. <laughs> Then Ed begins insulting Amy. That makes pretty Charlie, hard. Charlie upset. But we also hear that I guess his nickname was Evil Ed because maybe that was a character he played in their videos that they made or something. Maybe. They do mention Evil Ed at this point. Yeah. But yeah, Charlie doesn't like when he's making fun of Amy. Yeah, Charlie pushes Ed down and tells him that his life started getting better when he stopped being friends with him. That's harsh. Next, we see Ed on his skateboard, I guess, riding home from Adam's house. and He's upset. And one of the cool kids, I think it's Mark, knocks him off his skateboard and messes with him. And It's a jump scare. You think it's going to be a vampire or something, but it's Mark. Right. I jumped. And they kind of get in a little fight. Ed tells Mark to punch him, and when he does, he ducks and runs away. And So when Ed runs away, he runs right into Jerry. And Ed throws a, looks like a can of paint through a glass door of an abandoned building. Well, he's trying to get into any house, and no one will let him in. So he just busts the, it looks like a patio door, you know, that would have glass, and he busts, and he busts it to get inside. And he's like, ha-ha, you can't come in unless I invite you. And we should say here that this film was originally released in 3D. Oh, was it? Yes. 
Oh, I didn't know that. So there's lots of things coming at you, a lot more than in the Revenge of the Creature, like this paint can was the first gotcha. one I really blatantly noticed was a 3D effect. But here we learn that vampires do not need to be invited into abandoned houses. I thought he, I thought it was going to be that he busted into Jerry's house, you know, <laughs> because he was running through these backyards kind of haphazardly. So I thought, oh, my God, he's busted into Jerry's house. But it wasn't. It was an abandoned place. So then they kind of fight and Jerry chases him or whatever. and He's sniffing to try to find him. Yeah, I think Ed sneaks out a window onto like the the roof of the lanai or something. <laughs> and then drops down and of course Jerry is sitting right there by the pool waiting for him. And and he scares him, so Ed falls in the pool. Into the pool, yeah. And he pulls he has a cross around his, you know, his neck or whatever, his necklace. And, but Jerry moves in and convinces Ed to become a vampire, I guess. Yeah, he's basically saying nobody likes you. Your best friend doesn't even want to be around you. This is a gift. This is a gift. Yeah. And so Ed drops the cross and they go underwater together. I will say there's a lot of this movie that's dark. Very dark. And I couldn't see what was happening. I don't, my computer's kind of old. So I thought maybe, well, you know, but there's scenes where stuff's happening and I have no idea what's happening. <laughs> yeah. So next we cut to Charlie at his house and he's watching home movies of himself, Ed and Adam. Reminiscing. And he's kind of smiling. It's not like he's thinking, oh my God, this is going to get out. But I mean, he's kind of watching it and having good memories, I would say. Next day at school. Teacher taking attendance again, and this time Ed is missing. So I guess after school, Charlie goes to Ed's house to look for him. Ed's mom and dad are there, and they let him in. Oh, Charlie, my, how you've grown. It's so good to see you. So they say Ed is left. He leaves early or something. So Charlie asks, hey, you mind if I go upstairs? You know, I left something here or something. Or does he say Ed needs something? Well, he said it's a book that they he needs, Charlie needs. Okay. And they say, oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. See, that's back in the, if you grew up together. I mean, most parents wouldn't just let a kid in. Yeah, sure. Go up to his room. But if you were in the neighborhood and you grew up with the kids, absolutely. The parents would let you do that. Yeah. I left my, you know, notebook in Libby's room. Can I go get it? Absolutely. You know, no questions asked. But you normally you just can't show up at someone's door and say, hey, can I go in your kid's room? So while Charlie's in Ed's room, he finds movies of Ed and Adam's surveillance of Jerry, I guess. On, and, and there's a bunch of notes on how to kill a vampire. On Ed's and, computer. So the videos show things happening, like someone's pushing a wheelbarrow, but there's no one on film. Or he gets out of the truck right. and I there's no one there. That. I didn't even notice that. Oh, no, there's no one there. So vampires don't show up on video, just like they don't show up on, in a, a you know, reflection. film. Yeah. Or in a picture, you know, the same thing. Yeah. Not, so you see these things happening, but nobody's there. I didn't even notice that. So that's when he's kind of convinced. Charlie goes home, 
But Jerry stops him outside his house and asks him if he has some beer he could borrow. He has a hot date and he got no beer for his date. So Charlie says, yes, yeah, yeah, sure. I'll see what we got. And Ed had told Charlie previously that you have to invite the vampire in the house. Otherwise, he can't come in. So he knows now not to do that. And so he doesn't invite him in. So he has to stand outside the door. Jerry does. He tries to get Charlie to invite him in, but he doesn't. Charlie's nervous. So this is where you find out that Charlie knows that Jerry's a vampire. And now Jerry knows that Charlie knows that Jerry's a vampire. Mm -hmm. Like they're playing this little game where they both know what's happening. And Charlie's very nervous because he's seeing that Jerry's not coming in because he hasn't been invited that he drops a beer. And Jerry's like, Oh, I can help with that. And Charlie's like, no, no. But when he tries to give him the Heineken five pack, remember that? Budweiser. I know, but that commercial where the people would bring the Heineken five pack because they'd always drink one. Hmm. So it was the joke that, you know, but yes, it's Budweiser product placement, Budweiser five pack. But you can see Charlie's hand shaking as he's giving it to Jerry. So they all know what's happening. I don't think he's I don't think he's shaking his hand. I think he's teasing him. Really? Yeah. I think he he begins to give it to him, then he pulls his hand back to see if Jerry Jerry will reach inside the door and grab it. Oh, I thought he was just scared. And he won't. So so then Charlie actually hands it out to him. He's testing him. Maybe. Okay. I didn't see that part. I thought he was just afraid. Then Jerry tells Charlie that, you know, he figures his dad split. And so it's up to him to protect his mother and his girlfriend. Yes. Veiled threats. Big responsibility on you, Charlie, because there's lots of bad people out there. And he thanks Charlie for the beers and leaves. Charlie goes up to his room and Amy is waiting for him, Karen. Without cleaning up the beer. He just left it. It's true. He didn't. As a mother. Well, Amy is waiting for him, Karen. <laughs> but he, he forgot about that. But if I if I came home and that was, I would be, ma- one, what's my senior doing? Why is there beer missing and broken on the floor? And two, you could at least clean it up. Come on. So he goes to his room. Amy is waiting for him and she is feeling frisky, Karen. Apparently reading Wuthering Heights gets her all hot and bothered. But we Charlie- just talked about that. In a recent episode, yes. Weathering Heights. The last episode, Karen. But Charlie is preoccupied with Jerry and Doris because he sees them out the window and he learns that Doris is Jerry's date for that night. Amy gets angry and leaves. Yeah, she's ignored, so she's pissed off that he's neglecting her. Charlie hears a scream and calls 911. And apparently the police see no reason to check out Jerry's house. Well, because he's like, you bet I made her scream. (laughs) You know, so they're all like, and then Charlie was asleep when the scream woke him up. So it's later in the evening. Next, Charlie watches as Jerry leaves in his big pickup truck. Yeah, where do you think he was going? It was a short trip, wherever it was. Don't know. So then Charlie goes over and breaks and tries to break into his house. Yeah, he looks up how to to pick pick a lock. lock. On YouTube, it looks like he's going to follow the directions. But he's not very good at it. Then he did, 
thinks, well, maybe there's a hidden key in this underneath one of these rocks. And sure enough, there is one. Well, it's the fake rock. So mm-hmm. he's shaking them all. And then he hears one that's, you know, got the key in it. Did you ever use one of those? Nope. No, me either. And that's exactly why you shouldn't, because everybody knows <laughs> to look for one. Charlie looks for Doris in Jerry's house. With no flashlight. He does take a photo of a flag he finds hanging in, I guess, Jerry's room, his office or some shit. Yeah, I can't couldn't tell if it was a library or an office or the bedroom. But then he opens the closet. It might be the bedroom. And he finds uniforms, various uniforms, including police officer uniforms in there. So next, Jerry comes home and Charlie's like, oh, shit. And he hides in the closet. Yeah. Do you think Jerry knows he's there? Not yet. Because he would be able to smell him. That was the whole point of him sniffing around for Ed and stuff. Yeah, he doesn't know yet. But while he's in the closet, he finds there's a secret door that leads to a hallway with other rooms, Karen. Locked doors, yes. With peepholes. Yeah, which is weird. <laughs> Reverse I mean, peepholes. Rooms are weird enough, but then they have peepholes in them. <laughs> And he finds Doris locked in a room. So once again, he tries to pick the lock to get her out. Just then Jerry enters and Charlie hides in one of the other rooms. He watches as Jerry unlocks Doris's room and bites her. He pulls her out in the hallway to bite her. And Charlie is watching and Doris like puts her finger up to her lips to tell Charlie to be quiet. Then Jerry puts Doris back in the room. I think I wrote, I think he is saving her for later. Question mark. Violently throws her back in the room. He's just having a midnight snack. (laughs) So do you think he pulled her out in the hallway because he knows Charlie's there? No. Still no. You don't think he could smell him? No. Okay. Because he could smell him every other time he can smell him, but whatever. Okay. Okay. Well, you can can disagree, Karen. That's fine. (laughs) I just thought it was weird because they're really close to each other. In that moment, really. Then Charlie finally picks the lock and gets Doris out. And then they try to sneak out. And here's where Jerry knows they're there. <laughs> I think. Well, because Doris He stops several times and sniffs. And he looks around. And by the time they leave, he definitely knows they're there. But he lets them leave. Because little does Charlie know that Doris has turned and... So they walk out into the sunlight, Karen, and boom, she gone. Yeah. She explodes. <laughs> so Jerry does eat an apple. This is the second time he's eating an apple. Do you remember why Jerry is able to eat apples? From the original? Yeah. Because he's a fruit bat, right? Had yeah. Because Chris Sarandon decided that Jerry had fruit bat DNA in him. Yeah. And I'll I'll, I'll put a link to our original Fright Night episode. Anybody that hasn't listened to it can go back and hear us talk about the original and compare and contrast. So next we see Charlie telling mom not to invite Jerry over or into the house and to stay away from him. Next, Charlie's at school doing research in the library on vampires. And Peter Vincent. Amy comes in and he kind of blows her off. I think Peter Vincent looks like Jared Leto. Mm Mm-hmm. But then when I realized, you know, what's the actor's name? David Tennant. Yeah. Did you ever see him in Good Omens? Nope. 
he plays um, Crowley. Mm. It's on Amazon. It's mm -hmm. excellent. I know most people know him from Doctor Who, which I haven't seen. I don't mm -hmm. know that, but Good Omens is hilarious, and he is so good in it. And I couldn't place him at first. I couldn't like I know him. I know him. Where do I know him from? He's excellent. It's nice to see Charlie in a casino. And he it's the Hard Rock. There is some product placement. Yeah. <laughs> And he makes himself a press pass using a newspaper and an ID badge. <laughs> and he goes into a theater where Peter, Peter Vincent is rehearsing. And he talks Peter Vincent into doing an interview with him. Gives him 10 minutes. Peter gives Charlie 10 minutes, yeah. yes. Charlie asks Peter Vincent how to kill a vampire while Peter drinks Midori, Karen. <laughs> what? Yes, he drinks Straight. Midori. The whole fucking movie. <laughs> yes, he does. So did you know that? Have you seen this before? No. Or you just saw that in your but research? But I saw that in my research. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do a drink with Midori. <laughs> so we should say that when Charlie goes up to Peter, I guess he has a, a home in the casino or he's staying. Yeah, he's got like probably like a penthouse apartment or whatever. He's artist in residency or whatever. And One of the girls that works in the show ginger is apparently his girlfriend it's his wife oh is it and they walk through this vast collection of vampire stuff forgotten texts uh cursed objects all kinds of stuff in all these shelves that are in you have to walk through all of that to get to peter vincent and then the whole time that he talks to him well not the whole time at least in the beginning he starts taking off the persona right? Mm -hmm. So he takes off his wig. He takes off his goatee. He's wiping off his tattoos. He takes off his lip ring. It's pretty funny. He's nothing like the image. No. So then Charlie tells Peter Vincent about Jerry. But of course, Peter doesn't believe him and tells him to get out of his house. But Charlie tries to get Peter to look at photos, especially the photo he took in of the flag in jerry's house but peter refuses but charlie leaves them there yes and ginger who is his wife has to show charlie out and peter and ginger have a kind of antagonistic relationship they call each other names the entire time it's kind of funny but apparently they love each other i don't know she keeps calling him a douche and he calls her an asswipe and you know it's bantering but he does leave the pictures there. Next, we cut to Charlie's buddies, Ben and Mark, sitting outside Charlie's house in their car. And they're watching him put up crosses and garlic and all that stuff in the window. And they're saying, well, he's paranoid. I thought, what did he say? Carrots were chasing me with hatchets or something. Mm -hmm. So they think he's just high. So he's putting all this stuff in his windows because... He's paranoid from being high. And they're smoking a joint. Yes. But yeah, Charlie's hanging crosses and garlic in his window. So then there's a knock on their window and Mark tells Ben, hey, put that, put that, put that, put that joint away. I'm cool. I'm cool. Put away the grass or something. I don't know. So he oh, I thought they were the buying window. weed, but no. Okay. No. They roll down the window and it's Jerry and boom, they go. In an instant. <laughs> and there's, there's some 3D blood here, I'm sure. Oh, yes. I bet there is. Yeah. Blood coming at you. Blood splatter. Yeah. 
So next, uh, we cut to Charlie's mom wanting to know what's going on, asking Charlie. She says the house looks like a Dark Shadows show. Do you remember Dark Shadows? Yes, I do, Karen. Used to the watch God. it after school. I never watched it. <laughs> How could you watch? You know, you didn't. I did. You must have been off. syndication. Okay. I was going to say, you were all, your mom let you watch this when you yeah. were two? It was in syndication. I know. I'm, I know. I was just a baby, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> but it yeah, it was in syndication. It was on at some point when we were in like junior high or middle school or something. I remember coming home and watching it. I do remember watching it as a child, a little kid as well. Like I was a kid. Did your mom like it? Is that why you no. watched it? My mom liked it. My but... aunt. There you go. That makes more sense. Okay. She kind of watched me while my parents were working. And it was basically just a gothic soap opera, right? It's exactly what it, it was a gothic soap opera that aired weekdays on ABC television from June 27, 1966 to April 2nd, 1971. The show depicted the lives, loves, trials, and tribulations of the wealthy Collins family of Collinsport, Maine, where a number of supernatural occurrences took place. The series became popular when vampire Barnabas Collins was introduced 10 months into the run. It would also feature ghosts, werewolves, zombies, man-made monsters, witches, warlocks, time travel, and parallel universes. A small company of actors each played many roles as actors came and went some characters were played by more than one actor. <laughs> it spawned a lot of sequels and there are some movies and it says the original network run of the show amassed 1,225 episodes. I mean, it's it every daily. day. Yeah. It's a soap opera. So. Yeah. I was just a babe, Karen. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember it. So then there's a doorbell. And of course, Charlie's freaking out. Don't answer the door. Don't answer the door. I got it. I got it. And goes down there and Amy's just walking in. Like she just walks in the house. Because mom didn't lock the door and Charlie's yeah. pissed. So then Amy, con they confront Charlie and want to know what's going on with him. He's acting weird. And Charlie tells Amy to forget him. He doesn't want her hurt. And about this time, Jerry's outside the door. And this is, I'm going to say, this is some excellent parenting right here. What happens next? She's, I she's, think. she's a cool mom. I like her. She's very in tune with her kid. So yeah. Charlie's freaking out and acting very strange to the point where you might think he is on something, you know, like he's spouting off about he's hung crosses and garlic all through the house. You know, this is a big change for him. And he starts begging her not to open the door. Don't invite him in. And she's like, I'm an adult. If I want to go answer the door, I'll answer the door. And he this starts- my house. Yeah, but he starts pleading with her. And Jerry threatens to go to the authorities because he's been stalking him and broke into his house. And Charlie's mom looks at Charlie and says, then go get the authorities. And she does not go to the door. I just thought that was a- big scene for me just because well first in the other one she does invite him in but in, yeah in, well charlie's not even there he comes home and finds them having tea together or yes drinks or some shit right she doesn't go against she trusts him in that moment even if it's just to make him feel better like she probably doesn't believe anything he's saying but in he is so upset that in order to calm him down she does what he wants her to do which is 
I thought good parenting. It's very Gen X parenting, I think, too. Well, nobody pays attention to, they sort of pay attention to where the kids are, but not really. You know, they do a little bit, but yeah, it's vague. Like, why are you, why were you out all night? I'm thinking, yes. you know, you were out all night and your mom does, or Ed just left. You know, he yeah. left early. As a parent, I'd be like, well, where did he go? You Very know? Gen X parenting. Yes. <laughs> all right. So anyway, Jerry gets pissed off. He ain't happy. No, he's really mad. Really mad. He stomps over to his house, grabs a shovel, then stomps back over in a flashlight, stomps back over to Charlie's house and begins digging a hole in her backyard. And mom is not happy. He's no. like, what is she, what is he doing in my backyard? <laughs> I do want to say at this point, we didn't mention earlier that Charlie's mom is a real estate agent. I did. And she's got a lot of signs that she's going to put in front yeah, of houses. Century 21 agent. I mentioned that, yes. And they're very sharp. The stakes that and are going to hold the sign. Yes. <laughs> so when you first see that, when she's putting those into the van, there's a little foreshadowing there. Is that what that is, Karen? So anyway, Jerry digs the big hole and he pulls up the gas line. With his bare hands. Pulls yes. it right up. <laughs> And it separates from, of course, the stove. He pulls it so hard, it like breaks apart from the stove. Then I think he takes his cordless drill and drills a hole into the gas line. And then takes his lighter and lights it. Yep. Which apparently makes fireballs come out of every gas appliance in the home. Just their home. But doesn't gas... Just wouldn't their it, home. Wouldn't you, it, you go would think both it go You would think it would go both directions. Yes. Yeah. But yeah, it blows up their house, basically. Whatever. So then Jerry. A little out, bit at a time. <laughs> and Jerry stands outside the window and says, I don't need an invitation if there's no house. <laughs> so mom, Charlie, and Amy jump in their minivan or whatever in the garage and drive off. They don't even wait for the garage door to go all the way up. No, because as soon as they drive out, the garage blows up. The whole house yes. goes at that point. Which is that how it would happen? That'd be a lot of gas in there, right? Well, like you said, for one thing, it would go both directions. But I mean, other, I'm not saying there, it wouldn't blow, but it there it, have been gas explosions that will level house that level houses. True, there. that's absolutely true. But I didn't know how long it took. I think this is a slow, slower explosion, and it is um, stages, different stages. Like first the fir first the fireplace, then the oven, then you know they do have time heaters, to get whatever. out. Yes. So if Jerry jumps on. Charlie's motorcycle, and apparently it works just fine for him. Yeah, that's fired what I said. right up. But they ran over it on their way out. They did, so the front wheel is damaged. Jerry, once again, is not happy, and he throws it at the car as they are leaving, and it smashes through the rear window. <laughs> and now I think Mom and Amy are beginning to believe Charlie's story. <laughs> Something's up for sure. Greg and I are both so excited that you're listening to the Scary Spirits podcast, and we would love to hear from you. Do you have a movie suggestion for us, or possibly a favorite drink you'd like us to try? Or maybe you just want to say hi. If so, you can email us at info at scaryspirits.com. Thank you so much for your support. Now back to the show.
So Jerry chases them in his truck then and tries to run them off the road, it looks like. Yeah, he's pissed. Yeah, but they, he passes them and blocks the highway and gets out of the truck and stands. So it's, again, in Vegas. So as soon as you're kind of outside the city, there are these... Deserts. Yeah, desert roads, basically. I mean, it's paved and everything. I'm not saying that, but there's not a lot of traffic out there. So, of course, mom stops the car and she's like, what should I do? What should I do? And Charlie says, run him over, run him over. And she, he kind of like grabs the wheel and puts, I think, puts his foot on the accelerator even and forces her to run him over, which they do. (laughs) Yep. And crash into his truck. And they keep driving for a while. And they're all like, where is he? Where is he? Apparently, he's hanging onto the bottom of the car, Karen, (laughs) because his hand comes up. Through the floorboards. See, now if it was my old Chevette that had the floorboard all rusted out where you had to lift your feet if you went over a puddle so they wouldn't get wet, he could have reached right up in there and got me. <laughs> well, he does anyway. Yes, he does. But it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been as hard if he had and he dra- been tries under- tries to grab, I think, Amy and Well, the mom. And mom, yeah. Because it's through the driver's side floorboard so charlie's trying to kick him and then they stop and then another car rear ends them karen and the driver of the other car gets out and he's like what are you doing you're stopped in the middle of the road and they yell at him no no get back in your car get back in your car did you recognize the driver of the other vehicle karen i did who was it chris sarandon it was chris sarandon (laughs) it was jerry from yes. the previous movie. Well, he's credited as JD in this film. Oh, nice. Well, that's his character's name. JD for Jerry Dandridge. <laughs> he doesn't last long in this one. No, he doesn't. So Jerry bites him and he go. And he's in full makeup at this point. Yeah, full vampire. Jerry is, yeah, he's like looking vampire now. <laughs> he's not looking like Colin Farrell anymore. No. But he does change back and forth between the two. There are a lot of shots of now that you mentioned that it was in 3D where the mouth is open and mm-hmm. coming down. And that was probably part of it too. Cause that happens here because all the multiples of teeth show mm-hmm. up and everything once he's in full because I said he's in full makeup now. Once he pushes the car, he's so he's riding under the van. He pushes the van off of himself and goes over and kills JD. Then Charlie gets out of the car with a cross. It's a big one. And of course, you know, Jerry kind of teases him and, you know, do you really believe Charlie? (laughs) You know, you have to really believe and not the cross, Charlie, not the cross, but Jerry grabs it with his hand and his hand catches on fire. So it's effective. But it burns the cross because the cross is wooden. does. So the cross is now gone. And then Jerry tosses Charlie around for a while. Pretty violently. So I sometimes when you watch these movies, you think that would be it for me. I wouldn't get up from that. Like if someone threw me into a car and I ended up on the pavement, that's it. There's no getting up (laughs) from that. You know, like, but no, he, he gets up. Come well, now, Karen. Well, You're stronger up. than that. No, I don't think so. <laughs> and just as Jerry is about to kill Charlie, 
Mom comes up behind and stabs Jerry with a Century 21 sign, Karen. But apparently she misses the heart, but it still fucking hurts. <laughs> yeah, because a little bit earlier, right before Jerry's going to chew on Charlie, he says, have you ever been staked in the chest, Charlie? It really hurts. And then he says, I have, but they missed the heart. And then he shows him right where his heart is. And then so, you know, in the future, Charlie will know, but his mom misses the heart. And then she watches him writhe around in pain and passes out because of what she just yeah, did. Mom does. Yeah. Yes. And hits so they, her head. Yeah. So Charlie, mom and Amy drive off. Cut to Peter Vincent's house. And again, he's he's drinking Midori, Karen. Straight up Midori. Maybe well, with the, ice. He begins looking at the photos that Charlie left and he notices the flag and he goes into his safe and he just happens to have a drawing of the same flag in his collection. Yeah, he's got an extensive collection. And Ginger even says, you know, he started this collection and now the scholars call him to find out things. Cut to the hospital. Apparently Charlie's mom has been admitted. Bump on her head or some shit. She's in a coma, basically. Probably, yeah. And Charlie tells Amy about Ed coming to him and asking for help with Adam. And Charlie feels like he let Ed down. And you know, and Amy says, "Well, people change because they used to be such good friends." Charlie says, "Yeah, I changed into a dick, but she always knew that she wanted him. She didn't want a dude. She wanted someone like Charlie." Yeah, she knew he was a dweeb. He was different. Charlie's phone rings, and it's Peter Vincent. And he tells him to come to his house. I think he says the next day. Did he say the next day? I think he said now, Okay, but I don't know. Because it looked like now, because they were in the same clothes. Oh, no, get to his place in one hour, is what one he hour. says. Okay. And Amy's like, we're going to get to meet Peter Vincent. And Charlie says, it's underwhelming, believe me. <laughs> but he's all we've got. <laughs> so they get there and Peter Vincent tells them about the species of vampire that Jerry is. Well, he says, I'll tell you what I know, but I'm not joining your Scooby gang. <laughs> and then he starts to tell him all about the vampires and where they originated. And Jerry's species likes to keep its victims around. He calls yeah, them snackers. Yeah. They're from the Mediterranean. They nest in the earth. And they kill slowly, keep their victims alive for days. Then they hypothesize that Jerry might be trying to build a tribe because his species are tribal. There you go. So next, Peter gets a call that there's a package for him. And he tells them to send him on up. Send the delivery guy on up. And of course, the delivery man is Ed. I thought it was going to be Jerry. But Charlie says, you get deliveries this late? and Peter's like, well, I order things off of eBay when I drink it late at night, you know, yeah, but it is, it's Ed. Yeah, he's not real sure. He's like, well, I don't know, <laughs> but yeah, it's Ed and he's, he's full vampire now he's turned and Peter pulls a crucifixion nail on him. Yes. And Ed's like, that's old school. Nice. <laughs> but you got to yeah. be awfully close to me to use that thing is what he says. Right. And then. Peter runs away, run away, run away. <laughs> he runs into his panic room and locks the door. 
severing Edward's arm in the process. <laughs> yes. And he also locks Charlie and Amy out. So they run to the elevator, but of course it's been made inoperable by Ed and they find Ginger there. She go. Then Jerry arrives and kills the front door security man. And here's where I wrote, he does not show up on the security camera. This is the first time I noticed that he wasn't <laughs> on camera. <laughs> yeah. So yes, you see the security guy fall to the ground and blood everywhere on the video. So upstairs in Peter Vincent's apartment or whatever, Ed is stalking Charlie and Amy. And Charlie says to Amy, there's more than one way out of here. And there's a million things to fight with because there's this collection of vampire killing stuff. So Charlie and Ed fight. Charlie tries to hit him with a battle axe, but Edward flies all around the room. Is that when he tells Amy to go to leave? Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. But eventually Charlie hits Ed in the throat with the axe. Then we cut to Amy. But wait, so he hits him in the throat and his head's kind of not all the way off. Correct. And he says, ah, bones, right? They're hard to cut. See, I always tell you that in this, the movies. It's not easy to cut through bone like that. Now, I don't know how sharp the battle axe was, but it got through a significant part of his throat. So it was pretty funny. Bones, I'm like, see, I told he you. He kind of hit him in the wrong area, too. He kind of hit him like more shoulder. So he, he hit shoulder like, into oh, clavicle down. and everything. And Well, yeah, he's doing the best he can. Cut to Amy. She has broken the glass and taken one of Peter Vincent's guns and loads it with silver bullets. Jerry comes at her and she shoots him repeatedly. I guess like six shots, she empties it. It's a revolver. But doesn't do anything. Nope. He pulls the bullet from his skin and tells her, werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> so then Amy breaks another glass case, grabs some holy water and throws it on him and says, vampires. <laughs> and Jerry's face burns. Yes. And he's very upset. Amy runs away. And here I wrote, Charlie didn't sever Ed's head neck completely, apparently. And he tries to bite Charlie. Yeah, and right as he's about to do it. Amy rushes in and hits him with a maul, is what I called it. I couldn't figure out what, I was like, what do you call those things? It's a maul, right? I don't know. Spiked ball on a... Chain? Chain. I think it's a maul. Charlie then stabs Ed through the heart with a wooden stake. He gone. Oh, I thought it was the nail. No, it was no, the... Oh, maybe it was. I don't know. He but reached he stabs for something. Through the heart. Yeah, he gets Amy, Amy yells at him to do it, do it. Yes, just do it. But Charlie's, you know, reminiscing. I'm sure he's going through all this. Oh, you're my best friend. Be hard to stab <laughs> your best friend. Would it, Karen? I think if they so. were a member of the undead, you wouldn't kill your best friend. I might, I might hesitate. I know I, you wouldn't. You I would not, Karen. Us, <laughs> I, I would, would be put gone. A streak right through your heart. First little canine sharpening, I'm done. <laughs> so Amy and Charlie find the stairs and they leave. Jerry revives. He, he's feeling much better now. and He follows them. At least they went down instead of up. Correct. The stairs. But they wind up in a club, Karen. Well, they go through the kitchen and everything, but they wind up in a club. And they do a shot where Jerry's looking from the kitchen into the dance floor. Isn't that... A similar shot that was there before. Similar. 
So they're running through the club, holding hands, holding on to each other. And Amy first says, oh, he won't kill us here. Look at all these people. And Charlie says, nobody here will notice. And he's right. But then the DJ starts going, tequila t-shirts, tequila t-shirts. It starts throwing t-shirts and people start going crazy trying yeah, to get a another t-shirt. Another 3D thing because t-shirts coming right at you. But it was just funny. It's a t-shirt. You'd like you need another t-shirt, but whatever. And people start fighting and they get separated. They separate Amy and Charlie. And Jerry finds Amy. He carries her out. Like a caveman. Yeah, one of the guys in the club say, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> As they walk past. But yeah. And then Jerry kisses Amy, forcing her to drink his blood. Or taste his blood anyway. And she seems to like it, Karen. And Jerry bites her as tears run down her face. Charlie watches as all this takes place. That's the same as the other movie too, correct? No, it's almost. In the other movie, Jerry kind of like hypnotizes her and they dance and seductively together and all that crap. And then Charlie goes back to Peter Vincent. He's drinking Midori again, Karen. Charlie tells Peter that Jerry got Amy and that he doesn't know if she's dead or alive or turned. But he's going to kill Jerry and Peter's going to help. And here, Peter tells Charlie that his parents were killed by a vampire. And the only reason he survived yeah. is because he hid. Which is what he wants to do now. Exactly. He says, I'm not a coward. I'm a realist. But Charlie makes him feel guilty. Just Peter, like my dad who left us. Peter gives Charlie a wooden stake blessed by St. Michael. And supposedly... If he kills the vampire with it, it will change all of its victims back to normal. Which is a bummer for Ed <laughs> and Doris. <laughs> yeah, they were so close. Peter asks Charlie if he has a plan. Peter tells him that, you know, you should do it in the daylight, but there's no guarantee he's going to be sleeping. So the best thing to do would be to torch him because a vampire on fire is not thinking clearly and then put the stake through his heart. But Charlie, who is a practical or a tactical technician, says, if he's on fire, how am I supposed to get close enough to stake him? Right. Cut to Charlie in his mother's hospital room watching the sunrise. And there's crucifixes all over and crosses all over his mother's room. And he does say, I don't think it's this time, but when he was leaving before. Yeah. She's very religious. I mean, there's like 50 crosses yeah, or something. He tells that to one of the nurses there. Next, we cut to Charlie, and he's buying crossbows and Survival and gear. And he's making at the a vampire store. killing kit. Yep. And the cashier is an older guy. Charlie says, I'm going to kill a vampire. The guy says, good for you. Checks him out and <laughs> takes his money. Next, Charlie breaks into Jerry's house and begins knocking out all the blacked out windows to let the light in. He finds Amy in one of the hidden rooms, but she falls through a trap door. Peter arrives, and apparently he wants to help, Karen. He has yes. seen the error in his ways. Yes, he has. <laughs> so they go to where Amy was, and they find the trap door, and they fall into the basement. As Peter says, he's drunk enough to try anything. Amy calls Charlie's name from afar. When they hit the basement, Peter says, I might not be drunk enough for this. And at one point, Vincent says to Charlie, you know, this is a trap, right? And Charlie says, I'm counting on it. 
And Amy's being used as bait, obviously, right? So they find Amy, and then Jerry drops from the ceiling and throws Peter across the room and locks Charlie in the room with Amy. Yeah. Next, Jerry advances on Peter. He tells him he has his mother's eyes and his father's aim because Peter is shooting at him and keeps missing. (laughs) Jerry says to Vincent, look at you all grown up. And then he says, welcome to Fright Night for real. Because that's what, you know, he would say. And yeah, he does taunt him. I said that in the first film, too. You've got your mother's eyes and your father's aim. That was kind of funny because he can't hit him. No. But he's also drunk. So, you know. Then Jerry hits Peter in the forehead with a pebble and causes his forehead to bleed. Yeah, Jerry throws a pebble at Peter and hits him, and one drop of blood falls from his forehead slowly. And Peter's like, what, that's it, a pebble? And then as soon as the droplet hits the ground, bunches of vampires start coming out of the Rise up, yep. Yeah. Back to Amy and Charlie. Amy hugs Charlie. She's and she turned. says, well, and she says, <laughs> you should have saved me, which is harsh, I thought. <laughs> yeah. Back to Peter. He has a revolver that shoots wooden stakes, apparently. He's aiming a lot better all of a sudden. Yeah, he hits he's one hitting of the a couple. vampires. Yeah. But then his gun jams and. He curses eBay. Back to Amy and Charlie. Amy goes all vampire and tries to bite Charlie. And he stabs her in the gut with a wooden stake. She says after, you know, it hurts. She pulls it out. Yeah. <laughs> he kind of runs away and she says, you missed. And he says, I know. So he didn't mean that he didn't want to kill her. Right. So next, Charlie shoots holes in the ceiling of the basement, letting the sunlight from upstairs stream in. And I think Peter's getting chewed on a little bit. He is. But the light hit the vampires around Peter and they, one of them, fries in the sunlight and the other ones all run away so peter and charlie stay in the light peter starts smoking jerry tells him he's turning (laughs) smoking like his hand is smoking yes not just sitting back with a cigarette no yeah and jerry's taunting charlie about amy thank you so much for bringing her to me she makes me feel young again and And tells him That they can't stay in the sunlight forever. At some point, the sun is going to go down and they will just wait. (laughs) And then he starts kissing Amy. And Peter's like, that's tough, man. (laughs) Yeah. So Peter lights his cigar with his Zippo. Well, and Jerry like slices his chest and Amy's sucking his blood. It's pretty torturous for Charlie to watch all that. But then, yes, Peter has his lighter with him. And... Charlie asked Peter, got a light? Apparently he's got some like flame suit on, right, Karen? Yeah, because Peter goes, really, that's your plan? And Charlie says, no, it's your plan. (laughs) Because he brought it up earlier. Yeah, he's got some almost like a stuntman flame suit on or something. So Peter lights him up. His suit's engulfed in flames. He's got goggles on and... Head protection and all of that shit, but he jumps on top of Jerry, chains himself to him. Oh, that's that why they, does. yeah, that's why they well, don't has separate. The little grappling the little carabiner. Yeah, so that that's why they don't separate. They roll together because they're Got chained it. together. 
So Jen, Jerry flies around the room. I thought he was trying to get Charlie off of him. And I guess he is. He is, but he can't. Correct. And then while they're doing that, Peter Vincent shoots some more holes in the ceiling, letting more sunlight in. Jerry gets caught in the sunlight and Peter throws Charlie the blessed stake. Yes. And tells him to put it through his heart. Charlie stabs Jerry in the heart and Jerry explodes. All the vampires and other victims seem to turn back. Charlie's out of it, though. Yeah, it looks like he might be gone. So they try to revive him. Well, just by going, Charlie, Charlie, are you all right? Slapping him in the face, yeah. <laughs> so Charlie comes to and Peter kisses him on the lips. Well, he just saved him. And he tells him, next time you're going to use my plan, let me know. Ahead of time, basically. Cut to Charlie and Amy kissy-facing. Charlie's phone rings and it's his mom. Apparently she's all better. She's buying things for the new house. And we learned good insurance or something. <laughs> yeah. We learned Charlie and Amy are in Peter's house, I guess, because he walks in while they're both half naked <laughs> interrupts. Then he leaves and Charlie and Amy return to kissy facing. Well, and he says, Don't do anything I wouldn't do, which is basically sushi and mini golf, which is kind of funny. <laughs> and we have credits. The end, Karen. They're very cool credits at the end, I thought. I don't know if there was 3D stuff in there, but Could have been. there were, they oh, were. I know there was when they showed, um, because they, they showed again, Jerry's death scene when he comes at the screen, all vampire. Yeah. I just thought they were cool. All right, Karen, anything you really enjoyed or were pleasantly surprised by in this, this is, film? I don't know how to feel about this, but are I like. Are you, are you conflicted, Karen? Well. First, I should say, I thought it was good, but I can't figure out if I liked it better than the first one or not. I can't figure that out in my head. I don't know. And I know we did the other one a little while ago, so it's kind of hard to remember all the details. Although watching this, it did remind me of some. I did like their throwbacks to the original, the apples, you know, the, the scenes that they recreated, the fact that Chris Sarandon was in it. I like the I always like those in movies. They call them kind of Easter eggs or something when you're looking, you know, something special is in there. I thought the acting was good. I liked it. There wasn't anything I really didn't like about it. I mean, I wasn't overwhelmed with its greatness or anything, but I I think the first one was funnier. Don't you think the first one was funnier or had more jokes maybe? Yes. And I I did like that about it. But I also liked there was some pretty good makeup and special effects in this one compared to the first one. So if this was a stand, if I had only seen this one, I wouldn't be comparing it to anything. And I would have thought it was good. But since mm -hmm. I am comparing it to the other one, I'm kind of conflicted about it. Mm. I, you know, the other one was very effective with the jokes and it was still scary in this one, I will say there was a little bit more female empowerment. The mom was more involved. The girlfriend was a little bit more involved in the fighting and everything. They were less passive. Yeah, she wasn't so much the dumb blonde or whatever. Yeah, I did like that about it. You know, and I thought, like I said, I think the parenting was really good in it. Like it wasn't just a dumb mom, which a lot of times 
these are for obvious reasons because they need to be victims and all that stuff. But the women in it were a little more involved, which I liked. What about you? What did you like? Well, remake is pretty good. Did it do better than the original? Uh, well, that's relative, Karen. You know. Do people like it? This one? They do. Do you know what I mean? Like sometimes mm -hmm. people that there's a remake and you're like, like I hear they're remaking the Lost Boys, and I'm like, why are you even messing with that? That's perfection. <laughs> Don't yeah. touch the Lost Boys. But and this one was a good movie to start, so to remake it is a risk. But I think they cast really well. It did. Well, I guess. Oh, okay. That's one of my issues. That's one of my things I didn't like about it so much. Was. Well, what didn't you like about it, Karen? I don't. I didn't really come up with anything I didn't really like. Well, like you said, it's for me. It's hard not to compare it to the original. I mean, the original was eighty-five, and that's you know, that was my prime, Karen. So I'm kind of, I'm kind of partial to that. I'm kind one. of partial to that, even because the music is like it was very eighties, right? Yeah, I was gonna say one of the and things all things eighties is awesome. <laughs> I don't think they. I think they could have used music better in this. The music was fine. It in was this. fine, but I think it could have been better. I don't know how exactly, but somehow I think it could have been better. I know that's not helpful. Mm -hmm. And I realize, you know, when someone can't tell you what they want, but only what they don't like it, you can't really get there with what they're looking for, but it felt like music could have been a lot more involved in it. I guess that's what I I'll say. I didn't like that, but it's, it, it was still effective, the music that they used. So, but it didn't okay, well, really I have say, anything. I will say I liked Colin Farrell. I thought he was well cast. That was a good casting. Okay. Is that the only one you liked? Uh, I think uh, David Tennant was good as Peter Vincent too. I like, that was a good, that was good. He did a good job. That's it. You didn't like Tony Collette? Well, yeah, mom. As I the mean, mom. Yeah, she's fine. Oh, I liked her. Did you think he looked a little old to be a senior in high school? But again, mm -hmm. that happens a lot. Yeah. You know, the, the two care. I thought they were good. Did you they not like Evil Ed? They, they, he was fine. Yeah, he was fine. It was it was Charlie and Amy who I had issues with. Well, that's going to be a problem. Yeah. No, I didn't. I thought they were fine, but I don't know. They I think they could have done better. They weren't distracting to me. Sometimes when there's a miscast, you can't get past it. Is that how it was for you? Yes, you couldn't, especially no. for Amy. Actually, I kept I couldn't get past her nose, Karen. I don't know what it was. Oh my god. <laughs> I don't know. I, I have no response for that. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just, it was fine. So I'm guessing Hell, you, I like, think, you I like think the first Mark would have been a better Charlie. The guy who played Mark would have been better as Charlie, but whatever. But it had to be the dweeb. You had to I have guess. the guy who left behind Ed. That's true. Mark's I mean, not going to This one that. is different in that way. The, in you the know, first they, one, they were still friends. Right. I thought the girl who did play Doris was terrific. <laughs> the stripper or go-go girl, depending on go-go dancer, depending on who you ask. Yes. And Chris Randon did a good job. On Dying. Character. Yeah. <laughs> 3D got in the way, I felt. Maybe. Seeing it in 2D. I mean, it might have been different if it was in 3D. If I'd have seen it in the theaters. I think you might have liked it better if you hadn't seen the first one. 
that's kind of the true the conundrum is you know the first and the first one was different very similar i love the first one it's one of my but it had more favorites <laughs> humor and more just more comedy through the whole thing cleverness it was clever but this one had the effects and that's always kind of nice to see too so if you could combine the two it would almost be perfect well the original had good effects for 1985 i agree plus but i had I kinda, roddy mcdowell i kind of like this Sarandon. story better than the first one but that's again because i liked that the mom had more of a role and there yeah. was more conflict between him and Ed. You know, there, I like the story on this one better, but I think I like the first movie better. So what's the deal with Charlie's T-shirt, Karen? What was it? Throughout the whole know. movie, he's wearing a T-shirt, I think, as a pigeon on it. Does that mean anything? The only thing it made me think of is the Facebook group and Birds, but it's way too early to have been that. So, <laughs> And I noticed that Jerry was wearing like a silver medallion, which almost looked like a coat of arms. I didn't notice. I did notice the t-shirt, but I, I just thought, I think it was just like, what would a kid wear? Really? Oh. A pigeon? Well, I don't know. Not an Iron Maiden shirt or something? He's a geek. <laughs> okay. Yeah. His Ed is kind of wearing like some weird like Space Invaders thing or something or something right. like that. Weird. So he's got to be between the Iron Maiden and the Space Invaders. <laughs> That's obviously Pigeon, Greg. Okay. Maybe I'm looking for something that in there. Would have been better if it was like a bat or something. <laughs> or a squid. It should have been a squid because he was Squid Man <laughs> earlier. You know, it should have been something like that. All right. What kind of cocktail rating you want to give it? I'd give it a three. I think it's solid on its own. You know, you don't have to see the first one, but... I agree. I thought it was scarier than the first one, just because of the effects and stuff. That stuff creeps me out more than it creeps you it's out. Darker so. than the first one. Well, for sure. <laughs> Literally, but also in story. Would you like to re hear a review of the time? Yeah. Mm, Critics Corner. Yeah, From way, way back. back in 2011. It's scary how long ago that was. but So I have a few here, but I'm only going to read one. Okay. And I'm going to paraphrase. This is from Entertainment Weekly, August 21st, 2011. Fright Night is a 3D remake of a vampire movie. And so in theory should be a state of the union address of everything that is currently wrong with Hollywood. But instead it ends up getting a surprising number of things right. The film largely works not because the plot hues closely to that of the 1985 original, excepting a few smart updates that help brush off the graveyard dirt, but because it also resurrects its spirit, offering up equal parts scares and fun without letting them fuse into camp. Colin Farrell's performance as Jerry is the pulsing, stakeable heart of the movie. If the Twilight melodramas have tamed bloodsuckers by turning them into gelded and gilded objects of affection, Farrell makes his vampire terrifying precisely by returning his sexual agency and ramping up his dangerousness. 
Unfortunately, the fun and frights are nearly undone by one of the most extraneous and ill-conceived uses of 3D in recent memory. It doesn't ruin the experience, but it's the only aspect of this vampire tale that really, truly sucks. <laughs> that was one. And I will make a note that I do have Roger Ebert's review because he was still with us at that point. And he liked it, but he did say that you should see it in 2D if you can because the 3D process diminishes a film's light level by at least 20%. And this film, of course, depends on many night scenes and dimly lit interiors. Oh, that's why. Okay. Well, Colin Farrell definitely smolders. There's no question. And on Rotten Tomatoes, it has a 72% approval rating. IMDb, 6.4 out of 10. And Google users give it a 70% approval. It was much better than I thought it would be. Yeah, me too. But I didn't know that's because I have such an affection for the first one. <laughs> what do you think of the green demon cocktail, Karen, with Midori? I definitely like the color. And it's good. It is a pretty green. Yeah. I like it. Do you like it? It is good. Is it a Lanai cocktail or no? No. I could drink some of exa- those by the pool. Yeah, it's not very tropical necessarily. But it's tart. It is tart. Tart and sweet. Yeah. So I would say it's an excellent color for a Halloween party, though. You know, if you were trying to make a mixture of drinks, you can't go all vampire red, but you could right. move if it. You had like a piece of dry ice you could put into it. Yeah, it looks a lot like the scientist one where we made with the Skittles. It's that color because mine was green. Well, mine I think was yours red, was purple. Oh, I thought it was purple. Oh, maybe but, it was purple. You're right. But it's got that spooky lab kind of look to it. Anything we learned today, Karen? Uh, We learned about Dark Shadows, the series. We learned a little bit about, what was it we learned Chris Angel. Chris Angel, yes. We did a throwback about why Jerry was eating apples in the movie. That's pretty much it. All right, Karen. Next film, I believe it's your choice, is it? Is it not? It is. And what film are you going to subject us to next time, Karen? We are going to watch the Mothman Prophecies from 2002. Any reason you chose that film, Karen? Well, actually, I didn't choose it. Oh. This is a fan request. Another one? It's a listener request. Who who this time, Karen? Who do we blame this time? Courtney has suggested that we watch this movie after she listened to our cryptids episode. Courtney and Columbus. She is a longtime listener. Okay. So we'll be watching the Mothman prophecies from 2002 just for Courtney. Is that what we're doing? Well, we inspired her. She listened to the cryptids and she wrote in and said, Hey, have you ever watched this movie? Which I have not. Have you seen it? Do not believe so, Karen. Do you have a cocktail to go along with the film? Did Courtney suggest a cocktail? No, she didn't, but I have one. Go on. It's called the Red Eye. So when we did the cryptid episode and I talked about the Mothman, he did have glowing red eyes. 
I don't know if he does in the movie, so I'm keeping my fingers crossed. Don't even know if he makes an appearance, do we? But we're going with the red <laughs> eye, because even if he's off screen, he's got red eyes. Okay. And you're going to hate it. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> what are we going to need, Karen? We are going to need two ounces of tomato juice. I hate it already. Go on. I told you. <laughs> Or V8. You can use your old V8 can. Oh, that's, that's so much better. Go on. <laughs> One 12-ounce can or bottle of lager beer. Okay. Kosher salt to taste. And one lime wedge if you want to be fancy. Go on. So that's first, it? You're, you're that's it. <laughs> okay. Gather the ingredients. Pour the tomato juice into a beer mug. Fill with beer. Add salt and more tomato juice to taste if desired and stir. Serve and enjoy. This is mostly served at brunches for people who don't like champagne. They just had another option for a mimosa. There's a bunch of recipes out there. It's the same almost as a Bloody Mary, but instead you use the beer. So you can add Worcestershire sauce or any of those things to it. It's a basic Bloody Mary, but substituting beer. I didn't, I didn't hate the Bloody Mary. So we'll see. It'll be interesting. I'm not a fan of beer, but I'd like to see what it tastes like. It has to be lager beer, Karen. I've seen other ones where it's light beer. So whatever beer you have. So I can use my special low calorie, low carb, hoppy beer that I found. Absolutely. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Anyone you need to thank this week, Karen? Well, Courtney. No, we'll thank her next week, won't we? Yeah, we'll see how the movie is, and then we'll decide if we want to thank her or not. <laughs> okay. I'd like to thank all our listeners out there. There's a lot of podcasts floating around there in the universe. Thanks for spending time with us. What about you, Greg? Who do you need to thank? Well, Karen, I need to thank Georgie for subscribing to our newsletter. Awesome. How did he do that? From our website, I guess, Karen, apparently there's like a newsletter sign-up thing on there or something. Really? Yeah. Well, you just enter your name and email address and every month you'll get a newsletter. And bam. <laughs> Crazy. A, sc a scary spirits newsletter hits your mailbox. Awesome. I want to thank Jet Baby 2T. I think I thanked them last week too, but they commented uh this week on our YouTube video saying that they second doing a Wicked Ramblings on the Warrens. Oh, cool. Amanda Diaz, subscribe to YouTube, and Edward Lozano, also subscribe to our YouTube channel. So nice. thank you all for interacting. And of it, course, I need to thank the band Verse 13 for providing all the music in the Scary Spirits podcast. The music definitely makes the podcast better. Anything else, Karen? Please drink responsibly. Yes. Thanks so much for listening. Want to keep in touch? Check out our website, scaryspirits.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Scary Spirits Podcast. Find us on YouTube at Scary Spirits Podcast. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at info at scaryspirits.com. To help us grow the podcast, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You know, we really do appreciate your support. And as always, please drink responsibly. Thank you.